we have one of the most awesome praise teams on the planet. I'm, I'm, I'm with Bill. That's, that's going to be one of my favorite songs, too. Everybody stand. <laughs> Don't want to forget this part of our, our worship. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. When I started on this message a few days ago, and I shared with Irina and, and uh, Pastor Andy there, I said, you know, I had put together a wonderful message. And I was praying this morning, I was driving down the road, and the Lord said, I want you to add something. I said, okay, what do you want me to add, Lord? And I got excited. I got excited. You know, you, you can put a message together, and, and we can come up here each and every day, and we can teach a message to you about the Word and what the Word says and what God says to do. But some days, when we open this book, the Word comes alive. And we can see God from his purest form, a place of joy and peace and thanksgiving. I even, the message that, that, that I ended up putting together here even fits with our theme this year, the year of joy and gladness of heart. I was like, God, you are so wonderful. You're so wonderful to talk to us. And I'm holding the bottle of water because... The, the, the title of today's message is By the Rivers of Living Water. You know, some of us are going through a fast right now. We've, we've made a choice to fast certain things, foods, uh, uh, things that we desired in our life every day. We've set them aside to put our eyes to Jesus, to put our eyes to God. This little bottle here holds water. It's an amazing, amazing liquid. If the source of this water is good, it can heal, can cleanse. Back in the uh, old Civil War days, they learned that if you poured water over the hands before they operated on the next person, they wouldn't they would have a smaller mortality rate just by running water. The Bible told us that a long time ago. Somebody put two and two together. Today, I'm going to teach you on the rivers, the source of our foundation, the rock of our salvation. And I want you to take with it the knowledge that God hasn't just given us a word. But he has intertwined most every single day 
of existence. And he has put it together for us to live, to breathe, and have our being in Jesus Christ. If you go through the Old Testament, and even just start with that as a foundation, points to Jesus. The prophets of old didn't have the Holy Spirit other than it came upon them, but they didn't have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit coming from them. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But they believed God who spoke to them that there was something coming. And and so they believed God and they wrote it down for us. And Moses brought together nations. The nation of Israel came together and, and, and they came up with the law. They performed rituals. They performed uh, uh, fest, uh, feasts. They had all of this stuff to go into it. That, and if we break it down, it leads us all to Jesus. I want to start with something I wrote the other day. And, and when I take these off, it drives one of my brothers a little crazy, but i got to be able to read here. My glasses came in today. I just wasn't able to pick them up. Um, and Bill, I'll give you another testimony. Somebody said something about glasses. For the first time in my life, they actually had to reduce my prescription. Hadn't happened before. They had to reduce it. So he's fixing my eyes too. Whoever, whoever hollered that out before, <laughs> amen, he's fixing mine too. From the temple that day came a single drop, whose crimson stain fell down and touched the earth. Nothing built by earthly hands of man could ever stop. The river that began to flow that day, no man could ever see. That single drop of blood and water brought with it life along its journey. And when we dip our roots into these cleansing flows, we become as the strongest trees in the forest groves. And from within us, then the river begins to flow and carry with it life wherever the river goes. If you can bring up Revelation 22. And he showed me a pure river of water, life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, And on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruits every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I want you to consider a river today. And I spoke about it with the bottle earlier. As long as that river is pure, the source of that river is pure and it's good, It brings life along its banks. I lived in the mountains of Vermont, and when you go along some of those rivers and streams up there, you will see some of the most lush trees and plants. But I'll also show you some lakes and streams up there that that are coming from acidic forms. And you can see the rocks have worn down, and the trees don't grow as well during those a bad source of water. 
2 Kings 2 and 19. The story here is, is Elijah had just gone off and Elisha has come onto the scene. And so, of course, the men of the village, they went looking for Elijah and Elijah said, don't even go. And they go, but let us go, let us go. And he said, don't even go. And by the third time, he said, just go. So they went, they searched, and they came back and said, we couldn't find him. Duh. He went up in the chariots. Of course you can't find him. So in fine form, they turned to their prophet, and they said to him, then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant, as the Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. In the Amplified, it states that there was problems with uh, births and uh, both people and animals at that time. So the source of the water was causing problems in the city. It was an unpure, as a tainted source. I want you to think about it for a minute. Think about, think about our lives, and I'm going to be doing this throughout the whole message here tonight, and I'm going to keep my, my time and very think thing. But I want you to think about it. Think about your morning. Think about your day today. Think about any day, any ordinary day out of your life. What do you feed into your being? I'll be honest, there are days where I sit there and listen to the news. And by the end of the day, I am worried about everything. I'm worried about worry. I mean, it's, it's just... But then... A lot of the times, I love to listen to Christian music. I love to listen to, I listen to a lot of Christian messages. Power messages. Power, power preachers getting up there and ministering the word. And at the end of the day, my wife will see me running around the house because i got so much energy and, and so alive that I'm just excited about the day. But those other days, I'm listening to the news all day. And then, and then you lay in bed and it's like, I can't sleep. I can't, I can't do anything. Because I fed myself from a source that was meant to taint me, was meant to, to, to take me away from that hope, that peace, that joy that God has, that wellspring of life. But then when I feed myself that good source, that good water, ah, it's a wonderful day. You can get some sleep that night. You get up morning. And, and, and how many of you in here, and you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you wake up in the morning singing praise songs? I do. I love it. I love it when there's a song in your heart when you wake up in the morning and you just start praising God. You start drinking at the well. And you find your source right away. Just a wonderful thing. We're going to skip over John 4. We're going to go to John 7. We're going to talk about the source today. Now, this is at the part that God interjected today. And so I'm going to, I told Billy he's going to get a little bit of a Hebrew lesson inside of all of this. And, and I was so excited. My wife comes home, and I forgot to unlock the door for her. 
So she had to open up the door for herself. And, and I said, oh, I'm on a roll. I'm, I'm going to get this all down. And, and so I put it all together. And it's like, most of us are very familiar with John 7 and 37 and 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, I want to I just give you a little background here. We're going we're gonna to go into a history and an and a, uh, archaeological look at Jerusalem inside of that passage right now. We know that Jerusalem is in the middle of the desert. But if you go to Jerusalem today, it's an oasis. It's a wellspring of life, trees, plants. In the ground, there are wells or rivers underneath. There's one particular uh, uh, river is mentioned in the um, in Genesis, and it's the Gion River. We call it the Gion Spring down there. And for thousands of years, the Gion Spring down in the Kidron Valley. Now, this is going to be very important here to tie this all together. At the foot, so so take notes. There's going to be a quiz afterwards. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, At the foot of the Temple Mount remained Jerusalem's main source of fresh water. Through all seasons of the year, the waters of the Gihon Spring flow, gushing forward intermittently like a geyser. Hence the name which means the gushing one. The precious liquid was carried uphill into the city by the people of Jerusalem in earthen jars over a steep flight of steps honed into the bare rock. To this day, these steps lead down to a vaulted room where one can hear the water running in the cave below. So going back to John 7, uh, 37 says, On the last day, the great day... Of the feast. Now, that, I gave you the Gion River just for a little background in here. The day of the great feast. The great feast that was talked about is the Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we probably at some point or another heard about the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Booths, commonly goes by another name the season of our joy. For joy predominates on this holiday more than any other day. It's an eight-day-long feast. The first evening and days are special, but the end of the feast is even more so. The last day of the festival of Sukkot, the Hoshana Rabbah, a request for great salvation. So, for six days, we have great joy. 
and they go through a ritualistic session. And on the second, on the seventh day, this this day is the the Hashanah Rabbah, a request for great salvation on the seventh day. And on the seventh day was a great and intense joy for that salvation. So not only were the six days full of joy, but the seventh day was an intensity of that joy for salvation. In the book of Isaiah 12, there's a reference to this. Behold, that's uh, 12, 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, we can read the Bible. I want, I want to just sidestep for just a quick second. We can read the Bible and not pull much from it other than a bunch of words. And a lot of times we do that. We just read it to read it. Today was an opportunity for me to get into the Word and to see where it all came from and its root and its source. And, and, and like I said, it came alive. So, so here I want you to understand that when he says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation in Jerusalem, right off the Gion River or stream or, or flowing of water. And I want you to understand the flowing of water is bursting forth from the ground. From that, it flows over to a pool, the pool of Shelah or, uh, or Siloam in the Greek. And it is the pool of salvation. The well of salvation references to this pool that's over there. So when he's talking about in, in Isaiah, therefore with joy you will draw waters from the wells of salvation, they actually have in the Feast of Tabernacles at the very end an event that has to do with the pool of salvation that they're going to go and draw water from. This is Old Testament law, Old Testament ritual, taking us to what Christ said back in John. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. Gion, the river, or the, the stream Gion, another reference to this, this river is because of the way it comes forth, it's from a womb. So, coming forth from it, a new birth, the Spirit of God coming into man, this is, this is just absolutely awesome what God has done with His Word. He brings His Word alive when we go in and look at what was before and we put it to what is now, we can see that God was explaining all of this to the people, preparing them for Jesus to come. We serve such an awesome God. 
the priest would on this day go down to the pool of Shiloh and draw water in a golden flask and take it to the ceremonial altar. Now, this ceremony has its roots in Elijah's day where Elijah piled up the wood and he poured water all over the wood and prayed and God lit the fire. He lit the spark. Wow. So this this ritual that they do on the last day of great joy and gladness, we serve such an awesome God. I just, I'm just excited about what God does. The water was then brought to an altar. And so if you can imagine an altar sitting there at the temple, there are two bowls at the altar. On the day of this feast, on the day of this part of the feast, they then pour the water from the pool of salvation onto one of the bowls. And they pour the wine into the other bowl until it runs over and starts to flow. And the flow of this water and wine is into the valley of Kidron. Now, the valley of Kidron has another name, the valley of death. Some say that the bodies of the dead were put over there. Uh, one story is, is that that's where Lazarus was when he had died. So these waters mixed with the wine flow into the valley of death and bring life into the valley, wherever it goes. At a festival done by the Israelites to bring on great gladness and joy in remembrance of great and mighty deeds that God had done before them. And then Jesus comes along We're going back to John. And he said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let's go to um, John 4 today. Uh, John 4, 7. Let's start at 7. If you remember the woman at Samaria, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw, and the well is deep. What then do you, where uh, where then do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his son and his livestock? Jesus Jesus answered them and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus was speaking to us about his death. The ceremonies themselves were pointing at Jesus' death on the cross. The fact that his blood, his blood, with the water and blood that flowed that day. Let's, let's go to the scripture, um, John 19. Thirty-four. Yeah, we can do thirty-three, but but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately the blood and water came out. This they did to prove to, to, to prove that he was dead, thus fulfilling prophecy that they did not break his leg. But that day, that glorious day was the start of the river. One drop of water, one drop of blood hits the ground. And look at what look at look at where we are today. No matter how much the world wants to put Christianity in some box and bury it for good, that will never happen. I remember, I remember reading the stories about North Korea and they were actually flying over balloons that had an automatic release that would release the Book of Mark and it was dropping it written in, in uh, the, their language over there, Korean. And, and so the word starts to sprout up. And it was funny, I, I, I was listening to news one day and I heard uh, that leader over there, which I'm not going to speak his name, but... That leader over there was talking about the Christians and, and how he was angry at them. It was like, where'd that come from? You didn't allow it in your country. China, the underground churches in China, the amazing number of people who believe on Jesus Christ. All around the globe, I am hearing about Muslims who are giving their life to Jesus Christ all because they saw a vision and a dream and they went hunting after the truth. The wellspring of life is in Jesus Christ. He is our source. And I'm not going to go over it today, but... I, for, for those of you taking notes, I challenge you to go and read Ezekiel 47. 47 was an amazing tie-in to this whole thing because Ezekiel is taken up into a place and he's shown the temple. And, and as, he's, as he's at the temple, water starts to flow 
out the south side. By the way, that ceremony is done on the, the south and southeast side of the temple. And the water flows down and, and that. So as he's standing there talking with the person who's in charge of all of that temple, then the water comes up to his ankle. Then it comes up a little higher. And then, he, then it's so deep he can't even get through it. That day, if you think about the stories that happened after Jesus died, remember, they crucified Jesus to put an end to this. And a mere fisherman, after the day of Pentecost, goes and preaches to 5,000 people who get saved. We sometimes sit in a room, we sometimes sit in a place, and we ask ourselves, what can I do? What can't you do? In Christ, all things are possible. In Jesus, we live and breathe and have our being. We've been commissioned to the kingdom because the wellspring lives in us. Those of us who have said yes to the Holy Spirit, yes to God, yes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That wellspring is in us. I, I just want to share a, an, an awesome God time the other day. Shared it with a couple people already. I was, I was going to do a, a lease pickup. I was in charge of making sure that the lease company picked up the right stuff. I had a Christian message ringing off on a radio off in the other room. And one of the guys said, hey, what's that? And I said, oh, it's a Christian message. I'm, I'm trying to prepare my heart for, for teaching on Wednesday night. And then the other guy, he comes up to me and he says, man, and he shook my hand and we had the next two hours of, of church right there in the building. And he and I were going back and forth. Yeah, that's the word. That's the word too. And we were going back and forth. And God had ordained that moment for us to meet. I've got his number. He's got my number. And there's some things that, that he and I think we can do in the future. But doesn't live too far from here. He might show up one of these days. But in all of that, God put us together that moment to speak the word to each other, to encourage each other, and to speak life into our day. We were both fired up, and we went out that door rejoicing in God. God knows what He's doing. You know, His Word says to enter into His rest. That's not on the list. Don't worry about it. <laughs> enter into His rest. I love Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 is, they do not enter into my rest. God has already done the work. He's already done the work that goes before you, and when you trust your, put your life in His hands, you trust in Him, you go to God and say, God, you have given me the Spirit, and if He hasn't given you the Spirit, hey, at the end of this service today, let's make sure that happens. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come and be a part of your life. The day you received Jesus Christ, you died. God took your spirit. He put it in His spirit, the Holy Spirit, put it back in your body. You came alive in the river. You came alive. Remember, the river flowed down to the dead. And when it flowed down to the dead, that dead came alive. Now, I'm getting close to my time. There's some more scriptures we're going to talk about, but that leads me to something. 
Remember I said that water is flowing down to the Kidron uh, uh, Valley area, the Valley of the Dead. Um, Kathy, uh, can you bring up one of the last two slides? Now, this is a different biblical text. Uh, It's from the Israel Bible. And it shall come to pass in that day, uh, Zechariah 14.8, that living water shall go out from Yerushalayim, I can't say that quite perfectly, half of them towards the eastern sea, half of them towards the western sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. Let's give me the other one in Ezekiel. I think it was Ezekiel, right? Then said unto me, these waters issue forth towards the eastern region, shall go down into the uh, Arabah, and they shall enter into the sea at the sea of the putrid waters. The waters shall be healed, and it shall come to pass that every living creature were within. I say that to give you this. Breaking Israel news. Fulfillment of the Dead Sea prophecy has begun. Almost ten times saltier than the ocean, nothing can live in the Dead Sea uh, in its hypersaline environment, or so scientists thought. About 20 years ago, they discovered that from underneath the Dead Sea, there were fountains of living water coming forth out of the ground. And years ago, when they started looking into this, they found microorganisms in the water underneath the layers of salt. Well, not too long ago, somebody found fish in there. The Dead Sea is coming back alive. The water's flowing down and are healing the seas. We have work to do, people. We are to be like a tree planted by the waters. Let's move on. Going to Psalms 92. Most people start with Psalm 1, but I'm starting with 92. (laughs) The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Now, Bill, you're middle-aged. I ain't ain't hanging on to that old age stuff. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be planted, uh, he like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in the season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. My favorite, Jeremiah 17. Man, I studied 17 for six months. Every day, every morning, I'd go back to it and read it over and over and over. 
I'm going to start with the good one. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Amen. What are we? Now, I'm going to jump over to 17, 5, and 6. We're going to go backtracking a little bit. Thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. What type of river flows from you, folks? What type of river is your source? Are you the tree that's planted in the desert that can't find any water? His name is Jesus, and he's all throughout this book. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A little further on in Jeremiah 17, it's not on the list, Kathy, so don't worry about it. Um, the, the book says, the, the, the verse says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who knows the heart? He knows the heart. He searches the heart and he gives man over to his or her heart. If your choice is to go after something that is greater than God in your life, God will get out of your way. Oh, he'll put up roadblocks. He'll do things along the way. But if your desire is greater than his roadblocks, his turning, his steering your ship, then he'll let you go down that path. But I also guarantee you that when you become as a tree planted by the waters, you may go through something, but the root is going to feed you through it. He's going to see you through it. He's going to never leave you and never forsake you. He's going to be a part of it as you go through it. A long time ago, there was a whole bunch of me and not a lot of God. I do hope that's the other way now. I love waking up every single morning with a praise song in my heart. Now, I come from a Northern Baptist, so every now and then I get a lot of hymnal-like songs coming out. Maybe not the more modern stuff that Amy plays. Although, I've been encouraged by our sister who's been playing some hymns lately. (laughs) She found out that old music's pretty good. (laughs) What is your source? Do you fill yourself every day with tainted water? Or do you fill yourself with the living waters of Jesus Christ? Look, there's a whole bunch of world out there. There's a whole bunch of world, and the world wants you in it. 
But each day we get the opportunity to choose to pick up our cross and bear it. Each day when we follow what's in Hebrews 4 and we go about our life and rest in the Lord, He's going to put people in our path that we're going to be able to minister into. We're going to be able to speak into their life. And as you dip your feet in the waters of the living water, as you put your root in, as you establish your tree, as you establish yourself, then out of your belly, out of your stomach, will come the flow of living waters. And as your river begins to flow, then along the side, the deserts will start to blossom. The trees will grow. Life will spring up out of nowhere. We sometimes look at what God puts in front of us and we say, wow, what is he doing? And on the other side of it, we go, wow, look what he did. Trust in the Lord in all our ways. Rely on him. In Ephesians 2, I love this scripture. And and before I do that, I want to just backtrack just a little bit. I want to put Ephesians 2 into perspective. There was a man who hung on a cross that died. His blood hit the ground. Water and blood flowed from his body. He can be just that to you. Or he could be what he was, the temple of the living God. The three in heaven said, prepare me a body, and Jesus came down in the flesh. God came down in the flesh. The creator of the universe walked among men so that he could bridge the gap because nobody in this room, nobody in the whole world was good enough to redeem us from what happened with Adam. The creator of the universe came down for us. In John 12, it's not on the list. John 12, he talks about, towards the end, uh, I think it's around 40 or so, he talks about that Jesus came for those who believe. Belief's an action word. Believe, adhere to, follow, trust in, give your life over to. Belief isn't just something we throw on our pack and we carry it around. Here's my belief. What he says to love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable, walk in places that we never thought of because God sent us there. What do we do? Are we like Ananias? I'm ready, Lord, I'm ready. Okay, go see Paul. Uh, Lord, um... He's got papers that say he can kill me. I know you're the creator of the universe, but are you aware that he's got permission to take my life? That's in Acts 9, if anybody wants to read that one. He says, no, I know what Paul's going to do in my name. I need you to go to him and, and knock the scales off his eyes, and he's ready to go because I'm bringing him into the kingdom. And now our life, Jesus is our wellspring. He's in us. What did he say? I have to go back 
I have to go back so that the Spirit can come to you. Is the Spirit here to let you live your life? I'm, I'm going to write a book someday that says, don't, don't pick up your shovel. The old man is buried. At some point, you went, God, I can't do it. This, this is my testimony. God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do it on my own, God. I need you. I need you. I am sorry for what I was, what I am, and I need you. And then somewhere along the way. So, so here's the point at where I said, I need you. And then this is the point where I said, now I'm going to give it all up to you. And then, wow, the river. Living waters starts to flow. I remember the day Jesus said to me, you continue to carry that which was meant for me. Jesus said to go into the world and preach repentance. And he stopped there. Oh, come on, Bible scholars. Give me, give me some heckling about that. He didn't say that. And the remission of sins. What is it that you've done in your life today that is so great that Jesus did not take it on the cross? If you came up with an answer, it's wrong. The answer is none. Today is a new day to believe that Jesus Christ is your wellspring. The Holy Spirit can live and dwell in you. Today is the day to believe that when you are planted by the rivers of living water, then your roots are strong and mighty and will always bear fruit in times of drought and need. That God can use you in the kingdom. That God can bring you to a place and say, okay, I want you to speak a word. You never know what that word is. But ten years later, somebody comes up to you and says, do you remember that word you spoke into me? I had a brother who talked to me once. Fourteen years later, I went to him and said, the seeds you planted finally bore real fruit. That's what we do. We, we come along and we plant seeds by the waters of living, uh, by the river of living water. And we rejoice in what God does with it. Each and every one of you are part of the kingdom. If you know Jesus tonight, give up the backpack that you've been carrying. Step strong and confident in your position as Jesus Christ that you do not have to bear the pain and agony of the things that you've carried that were meant for Jesus Christ. And by the way, any other pain and agony you decide to carry, that was meant for Jesus Christ. We live and breathe and have our being in Jesus. Be as the tree planted by the waters. Let the blood and water wash you clean. Let the Spirit 
If you don't have the Spirit, ask God to bring the Spirit into you. I want the Spirit of God. I want your Spirit, God. I want your life. His waters brought life that day. And no matter what the world wants to do, it can't stop it. Rejoice in the Lord, for He is our strength and our salvation. He is our joy and gladness. So go dip your flask in the water of salvation. Thank you. And let's pray. Father, Father, I give you praise and glory for your word. I thank you, Father, that your word is healing and perfect in all of its ways. I thank you, Father, that you have intertwined every part of your word, Father, that it can come alive in the river, Father. Father, God, I thank you that each and every person in this place today can give their burdens up to you on the cross. And, Father, God, I pray, I pray that they do so today. Father, I pray that as each goes forth, there are tributaries from you, Father God, that go forth with rivers of living water. I pray, Father, as they go out into the world tomorrow, that, Father God, we see wellsprings coming up all over the place. And, Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the blossoms in the desert, Father. I praise you in Jesus' mighty name.